0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed.
1: In the name of Allah, the gracious, the ever Merciful, may peace and blessings of God be upon you. Welcome to The Drive Time Show here at The Voice of Islam. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, whether you're driving, whether you're listening at home. Welcome to The Drive Time Show where we discuss interesting topics that showcase how islam can be dealt with can uh, provide guidance for the contemporary issues of the world today and today we've got two very important subjects one which has been causing a lot of issues throughout the world um for individuals especially where it's the loneliness uh, pandemic uh, increasing morbidity and mortality and in the second hour we'll be discussing about the women's uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim Women Association, um, imayla uh, and talking about how that has evolved, and we'll be marking the centenary of that. Um, I'm joined by my co-host today, Raheel Ahmed. Uh, how are you doing today, brother?
0: Alhamdulillah, uh, good to see you as well as always. Um, interesting two topics that I'll be discussing. Um, hopefully, the conversation is engaging and people can. Take yeah. something
1: back. Well, it can be engaging even more when people call in, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, don't forget to give us a call on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That's zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Or you can get in touch with us on voice dot UK, just send us an email or check out our website, or get involved in social on social media, tweet us on X tweet twitter whatever you're calling it or instagram at voice of islam uk
0: whatever you're calling here <laughs> yeah
1: well they, they, he's changed the name a few times hasn't he but um yeah. yeah like uh i think some people uh i still i still search twitter.com to get to get there when i'm on my uh yeah, I, laptop and even on my phone can't I, seem to remember i, I keep i was like oh it's called x now um so let's get into it it's it's a real issue, chronic loneliness, because, and I think Islam gives a really good solution to this problem, which I'm sure we'll get into. But of course. Um, I think that the thing that we need to understand is that why are we discussing this? Because, of, and let's just put it into perspective, right? So, in 2022, approximately 7.1 percent of people in Great Britain, which is approximately about 3.8 a million people experienced chronic loneliness, and you're probably wondering, okay, you know, everybody feels lonely uh, at some point, but what is chronic loneliness? Yep. So, what they mean in and what is being defined here is that they feel lonely, usually often uh, labeled as often or always, um, and that is that is chronic loneliness, right? Yep. So that was and that <coughs> statistic of 7.1 percent people, which. You know when you think of 7.1 percent of pe- uh, people you think oh it's probably not that many right but when you realize it's of great britain and um, which yeah. means about 3.83 million people um y- you can realize that it's an actual serious issue and um this was reported by um a campaign to end loneliness uh, which had a report uh the state of loneliness 2023 um which was discussing loneliness in britain uh, and the thing is, is that it's having an impact on uh, a person's life by fifteen years, um, and can be equivalent to the impact of being obese or smoking fifteen cigarettes cigarettes per day, yep. which was written by um, Dr. Claire Pomeroy, um, who, written in the Scientific American. Um, did, just do you wanna reflect on that for a second? The fact that loneliness is Yeah, I mean I have never
0: ever yeah. thought of loneliness um uh in that manner before. Um, you know, that shortening someone's lifespan by fifteen years or equivalent to having an impact, uh, you know, to being obese or smoking fifteen cigarettes per day. Um but when you reflect over it, I think this is um, a lot of the time we discuss this as many of these many of these topics they 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 actually come as a learning process for us as presenters, right? Um, and this probably will be one of those programs.
1: Definitely. And, you know, just before we get really into it and discuss it in more detail, yeah, I think just from these statistics alone, anybody listening should think, okay, is there someone in my life that may be lonely or there's no harm in just picking up the phone, giving someone a call just to check in? You know, you may make a massive difference to someone's life. And, you know, it's... It, it's it's really important to yeah. make sure that you play an active part in people's lives uh, and share with them and, you know, not just in the, when you've got a problem, you call them up, you know, yeah. speak to them in the good times and the bad and make sure that you check in. Of course. Um, and chronic loneliness, like, occurs when feelings of loneliness and uncomfortable social uh, social isolation go on for a long period of time. Uh, which is uh, characterized characterized by constant and unrelenting feelings of being alone separated or divided from others and an inability <laughs> to connect on a deeper level the thing is it, it can stem from various factors um, such as as I was mentioning uh, a lack of close relationships poor social skills or even significant life changes, and the dramatic impacts of on mental and physical health. So, to give some more context, I want to provide some uh, facts and figures where uh, a review of 40 studies on social isolation and loneliness found evidence to link these states to higher risk of early death, which we mentioned, but um, specifically cardiovascular issues and worsened mental health. Uh, there's actually a, a Swiss health survey that found evidence to link loneliness to increased risk for these um, diseases uh, and illnesses chronic illness high cholesterol emotional distress diabetes and depression and finally uh, a study in 2010 looking at 215 adults supports the link between loneliness and poor sleep quality going on to suggest that lower sleep quality can cause difficulty functioning during the day so clearly we're seeing here that, um, uh, you know, sleep is a big factor as well, right? So, um, it's, it's hard to get to sleep sometimes, don't you think? <laughs> I think that I think this is just one of those things that is just another reinforcement to me that I need to make sure that my sleeping habits are better. I think we can all probably do better from uh, those uh, improved sleeping habits, right? yeah. Um,
0: I'm, I'm, I, I think you already discussed, um, Sort of, you know, its chronic illness is, is is a complex and a multifaceted condition, um, which is you know influenced by a variety of different factors, and some of them you already mentioned. And uh, but when we look at the empirical studies, um, they've uh, they've actually identified several key contributors to the development and persistence of uh, chronic loneliness, and it's important to note that these factors often interact. Um, in intricate uh, ways and and individual experiences may also be different but some of the factors or some of the reasons um, that that you alluded to you know earlier as well but i wanted to add something to that one you know the the first on the list is actually social isolation which is lack of social connections and meaningful relationships in a uh, you know that being the primary contributor to chronic loneliness Uh, now social uh, isolation can result from um, um, you know factors such as uh, relocation, with you know retirement, or the breakdown of you know relationships. Yeah. So all of these different factors. Then you have lack of social skills is some something that you also mentioned, yeah. um, which is you know d- difficulties in initiating and maintaining social interactions. Uh, you know uh, can also lead to loneliness. Individuals who struggle with uh, social skills uh, find it challenging to build and sustain relationships. Life transitions, you know, major life changes such as divorce, bereavement, retirement. And these are also one of the factors where, you know, um, or, act- or actually moving to a new location that can, did- that this can also uh, disrupt social networks. And one of the things that um, you're mentioning with regards to sleep is actually t- uh, te- technology use. And uh, so excessive use of digital technology and social media, despite their uh, potential for connectivity, can also contribute to loneliness. Yeah. So all of these factors that are there, then there are cultural and societal factors, physical health issues. You know personal factors or you know all different things that can contribute to uh you know this illness
1: so i i feel like these social issues are <clears> um happening because one of the factors is social media but i think we'll go into i want to hold that thought i want to of go course. into that discussion after we speak to our first guest who we have on the line we have uh sarah mccubbin uh online um Sarah McVitt is a clinical supervisor for the Shout text messaging support service um, for mental health innovations. Um, Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Um, We we want to get straight into it and discuss and understand, like how how has the demand for your service evolved since its inception? Uh, Hi there. Yeah.
2: So um, Shout the UK's first and only 24-7 text messaging support service. We launched publicly in 2019, and this this year in 2023, we've reached a m- massive milestone, taking 2 million conversations with a total of si- about 675,000 people who wanted urgent help with their mental health. Um, we talked to about 2,000 uh, different people in every 24 hours who are experiencing some kind of mental health distress. And through that digital platform that you were just talking about, mm. we've been able to help people who haven't found any support elsewhere. They we're so accessible because we offer that support out of hours. People can talk about private things confidentially. And that's usually when other services or support might not be available to them. And, and, and of course, if people don't have anyone else to talk to, when, then we're there as well.
1: And it's it's solely done through text?
2: It is exclusively done through text message, yeah. So we have um, lots of volunteers who, who support us in taking those confidential conversations with people who text in. So all somebody needs to do is send the word shout right. to the number 85258, and then they get connected to one of our trained volunteers, and they can have... A confidential conversation.
1: So, I'm just thinking, how much can you say in a text, though? Like are, are these deeper, longer conversations, how how does that work? Or do you have multiple so it, texts Is it literally like having a conversation with a friend?
2: Yeah. So the conversations usually last for between forty five minutes and an hour. Right. It's constant back and forth communication between that that person and one of our volunteers, and. People can use that conversation in, in whichever way they'd like to, but ultimately we see that it's about uh, main, sort of main, getting a meaningful connection with somebody, feeling that they're able to open up. It's not long-term therapy, but people can use the service as and when they need to. So it's not a one-off if people don't choose for it to be. They can talk to us when they need that
0: support. Interesting, and how does um, Shout actually tailor its services to address loneliness in addition to uh, mental health concerns among older demographics?
2: So, I guess, like I said before, it, when we think about overcoming loneliness, mm-hmm. it's really important for us to form those meaningful connections mm-hmm. where somebody feels supported and valued when they're interacting with somebody.
3: Yeah,
2: and we have a lot of people that talk to us about loneliness. In fact, I think it features in around 16% of our total conversation. So it's clearly quite a, a big issue. And we know that loneliness is what often underlies other difficulties such as anxiety or depression. And in fact, those people who text out for support with loneliness are often struggling with depression in 49% of cases, anxiety and sometimes suicide also. I guess when people talk to us about loneliness they're yeah. not they don't necessarily present immediately with feeling lonely they mm-hmm. might talk about things like relationship breakdown yeah. bereavement relocation y- you know other issues that contribute to that feeling of loneliness
4: mm-hmm.
1: right um, so, sorry I just wanted to ask um, do, so how how do conversations often start like do do people text like hey I'm lonely or like Uh, so you're saying that it's usually like I've just broken up with my partner or something like that Um, could you kind of just explain that in in a bit more detail
2: yeah of course so like I said somebody sends in the word shout they get a few automated messages letting them know that they are being connected with a volunteer Mm -hmm. and in that in one of those automated messages it asks them what it is they'd like to talk about today and they can give as little or as much detail and information as they'd like to Then, when they're connected with the volunteer, the volunteer will introduce themselves by name and ask them again a bit more about what it is that they'd like to focus on. So the person reaching out is really in control of that that communication and, and what they share. And then we'll ask back and kind of back and forth um, questions, reflections about what the person is sharing to help them feel comfortable in opening up.
0: Yep. Yeah interesting and also um i think personally speaking i think family members and friends are, are 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 one of the best support um you know when it comes to loneliness um that we that i've experienced in my in my personal mm-hmm. life I just wanted to ask you about that how can how can family members and friends uh, you know best support older individuals who may be experiencing mental health challenges or loneliness yeah i i guess
2: i guess it's about When we notice as individuals, people in our family or friendship circle that we think may be struggling, being open to talking to them, so not being afraid to strike up that conversation and expressing concern about how they seem to be feeling or asking them some really open questions, making that time and space for them, I guess, offering to visit them or accompany them somewhere, digging a little bit deeper perhaps, exploring interests Or opportunities finding more out about things that they'd like to get to do that perhaps they haven't done recently maybe supporting them to access things like a GP or groups or activities and talking to them about the barriers they're facing and how we might as an individual be able to help them and I suppose if you're really concerned about them in terms of mental health and supporting them to access medical support like crisis support even sharing shouts details details of the mental health service in their area
1: and so w- cultural religious factors will play a like a massive part in someone's life and mm-hmm. um is there is there ways that shout considers this when they're providing like is that how like is someone matched up who could potentially relate with them or, or is there some sort of a specific training that's given like how, how do you manage the cultural or religious sensitivities uh, around the issues that you deal with
2: so the way that shout is set up the framework that the volunteers follow in the conversations really lends itself to being applicable to everybody and anybody in terms of age, culture, gender, sexuality, religion, and conversations are very much led by the texter. So in that sense, diverse needs would be met naturally because people are able to share what they'd like to. They can lead how the conversation might go. Um, And the fact that the service is completely silent, it's anonymous and it's confidential, is designed to help with those cultural sensitivities
1: Right. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate that and for providing that insight into Shell.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Have a great day. 0208 That's the number to call to get involved in the conversation. Uh, we're discussing chronic loneliness because, you know, this is a problem that is facing a lot of people uh, in different t- in different ranges um. Yeah. and it's it's something that we need to address. And at the end of the day, this is something that we could directly help with, right? Like you know, this is something that if someone is feeling that way, maybe it does take that phone call, maybe it does take that text. Yeah.
0: Um. I think one of the things that was very interesting was um. I was thinking, um, because the role of 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 family members, right, especially in our c- culture, something that we should appreciate is that our parents and you know, grandparents or brothers and sisters are immediately available for whatever issues that you might have, right? And they'll be there for you. But there are certain issues that you may don't want to discuss with close family members because you know that can have a long-term, you know, impact on you, like shame and all of these things. So I think this is where something like this can actually, I mean, in the previous, you know, example I'm saying is you can have, or you should have some in your family where you have Blind trust, right? Hmm. You, you, you can share things with them, but hey, I mean, the only thing um, that I pick up, although it's it's uh, it's you know it's a great service. One one of the things that I said right right at the end is confidentiality, right? Yeah, and um, not not being able to worry as to you know uh, that your what what you're sharing would ever get out, right? So that 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 element is also uh, very important for people when whenever they're going through this because trust, because. Trust element is also very, um, you know, huge in this.
1: Definitely. And just before we had our last caller, I was mentioning to you about social media and I really like the service because from what I've experienced, um, young younger people are finding it uh, more difficult to engage uh, in meetings in pe- in person as well as on the phone. I know there's been multiple ca- occasions where I was just like, why don't you just pick up the phone and and, and give them a call when someone's misunderstanding mm. what the other person is saying or, you know, just sometimes, you know, you, you want to order something online and, you know, or yeah. get insurance. And you, you just want to speak to someone like I, I'm i pretty much comfortable with that. But I think that um th- more and more because we're having less social interaction. Um, we're finding it more difficult. So that's why I think uh, a service like a text-based one where people may be uh, struggling to uh, find out that, you know, to reach out by calling or or speaking to someone in person. Um, And and again, uh, this also just makes me think about Islam, right? Because ultimately, uh, Islam has the answer to every issue that we face. Absolutely. if you don't see it, it's usually because you don't have the knowledge or the understanding yet, right? Like, that's, that's the position where uh, I always find myself that if there's something that's not like, oh, this doesn't, un- I don't understand this, I need to do more education and understand because I, I haven't um, fully educated myself on it. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, one thing that came automatically to my head about loneliness is um, the sense of community that uh, Islam builds Uh, through uh, going to the mosque right so it is encouraged uh, on people to on muslims to go to the mosque to pray in congregation yeah and um, it's just it's it's really um it's like you can see the the deeper understanding in that that it's it this would not i wouldn't say it would cure but it would help to foster relationships yeah. which that yes maybe you are having problems with your family or, or, or you're going through something that that is personal yeah. but you will have that community at the mosque that you can speak to and, and, and rely on and have that discussion with which it will come back absolutely
0: right? I think, I think it, it goes actually beyond that because from from an Islamic perspective the ramification of chronic loneliness a sort of extends beyond the individual affecting a broader social fabric and uh, uh, collective responsibility, you know, Muslims sort of hold towards one another. Uh, so in Islam, you know, community and interpersonal connections are, are highly valued. And you gave the example of uh, five daily prayers, right? Con- yeah. like, that they are far, they are, they are, um, they are incumbent, incumbent yeah. upon every believer, right? And for male, they have they should come to the mosque to pray, it, right? The the five daily prayers. But I would go beyond that. i would say every sort of you know the five core pillars, the you know the five pillars that we know of. You know, the, the one is the profession of faith, but the other four—if you really think about it—the prayer, the giving of zakah, fasting, and pilgrimage—some way or another, you know, it it has the element of the rights of creation involved in it. So interaction is highly, um, you know, involved in that uh, in that worship, and this is something very very important. Um, and the Quran emphasizes the concept of brotherhood and and, and sisterhood among believers, um, promoting a sense of unity, mutual support. Um and therefore uh, chronic loneliness runs you know counter to these principles um so from 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 a spiritual standpoint, you know the discussion that we're having, Islam encourages believers to seek solace in their relationship uh with God with Allah and to find strength in the bonds forged within the community uh and therefore you know I think um, and and this is why i i mean so far in my interactions with the people that've grown up i'm I haven't come across anyone who's gone through this illness, which is which is wonderful, right? Chronic yeah. illness, uh, chronic lone loneliness. Sorry, um, because it may hinder one's ability to engage in you know communal worship, depriving them of spiritual n- n- nourishment, uh, you know, which is derived from congregational prayers. So I think you're right. I mean, it's so important, and on every aspect of um, Islam, you know, you see uh, you see this this element of of coming together, community. You know, so, so majority of our events, if you think about it, the iqtimas, you know, the congregational, yeah. the annual jalsas, you know, the, the, you know, the coming together, the, the annual congregation of the community on a local level, you have things happening. Yeah. On a regional level, you have th- things happening. Then on a so, national, yeah. International. So sometimes be, it yeah. becomes a bit too much, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Just after that, yeah. we go another meeting, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the point is, it's it's good because you're engaged, and this is why um, there's a hadith of the Prophet, which when he comes to my mind, he says that. um you know, uh, oh, sorry, it's, it's, it's not a hadith. It, there's a statement because uh, I because I, you have to be very careful if you're saying it's a hadith if you're referring back to the Prophet. But there, there 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 there's a saying that uh, you know, um, m- m- mom used to say in the morning that 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 an empty mind is a is is a is a house of uh, you know a Satan. She would say, right? Okay. And it's it's quite funny in the in the Urdu language the way they would say it. Yeah. But what it really means is that it, that the effects of loneliness. You know, when you're lonely, when you're going through things. Like, you think, when I was young, you think yeah. of, you know, um, things that that shouldn't be done, yeah. right? Indeed.
1: But similar to, uh, isn't it, the saying that the, uh, the devil makes work for idle thumbs. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Like,
0: like, so Yeah, I haven't heard of that, but yeah, that's good. Yeah, so, so it's exactly. like,
1: it's it's that thought of, like, you know, if you're busy, if you're doing things, yeah. you, you Enga- are... Yeah, engaged. And, and again, Islam has a solution there because of... Um, Zikr and, uh, yes, and uh, praising beautiful. praising God,
0: right? That you can do that even your, now. Now another important point. Another, <laughs> another important point, which is which differentiates uh, loneliness from, um, you know, um, uh, seclusion. Going because we know from the Pro- Pro- Prophet peace be upon him his example, him traveling out of Makkah, mm. right, going up to a specific mountain and, and praying there in, in seclusion, away from the life, right. Um, so, so so what is it that differentiates? Is it's 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 the choice of choosing that. Yeah. You know, if you really think about it. Like in both cases you're you're away from people. You're, yeah, you're you're you know, you're 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 just with yourself, right? But your thoughts, you're present, right? Like dhikr, as you yeah. were saying, dhikr is basically remembrance of God. Yeah. Um and uh, there are you know various names of God Almighty, his attributes. You know gratitude, all of these things. If you're actively doing it, then you're engaged in something. Even though, even if you're alone, yeah. but you know, loneliness and sec- seclusion. If you think about it, you're you're, you're separate, but the mindset is different, yeah. and that's why the the outcome is diff- different. And this is where you know it's it's actually fascinating if you think about it. You know, all of the great saints, all of the great you know prophets of Allah who who would go in seclusion and 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 would pray to God Almighty, right? Would spend that time. They never had this issue of. Um, You know, um, chronic loneliness, you know, uh, you know, issues related to mental health issues related to, you know, things now, of course, that that there are there are are certain conditions which are clinical and they require clinical uh, examination and and help. But from a general perspective, you know, what we're saying is keep yourself engaged. That's the message. Right. Keep yourself engaged uh, and and, uh, you know, find something that that has purpose. You know, live, live a purposeful life.
1: Definitely, and um, so we caught up with a guest earlier, um, Tom Oakes, who is the head of growth uh, in Reengage. Um, let's hear what he had to say on the topic of loneliness.
5: Joining us today is uh, Tom Oakes, head of growth from the organization Reengage. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Tom. Uh, thank you for joining our program today.
6: No problem. Nice to be here.
5: So I guess we can start off by um, asking you to kind of give our listeners an overview of reengage. I mean, in the name itself, you you do get a hint. But what is the mission, and what if the what is the specific uh, kind of initiatives or uh, you know programs that are in place to address loneliness uh, among uh, older individuals?
6: Yeah, of course. So we are reengage, and as you say, the clue is in the the title a little bit. Uh, we work to engage with older people over 75 who are experiencing loneliness and isolation. Uh, so Re-Engage is a relatively new name. We were known as Contact the Elderly up until 2019. Um, since then, we, as I say, we have rebranded. And we've got a new website, etc. Uh, the way that we work is to engage with older people, as I say, over 75, in their communities via a number of initiatives, um, the main one being tea parties so we look to set up volunteer-led tea parties within communities which older people can uh, attend uh, they can attend for a, for a chat a piece of cake and a cup of tea and they've been very popular and we've done them for many years now very successfully and we've also got newer services such as call companions that's a service whereby older people can receive a call once a week from one of our volunteers and we we find that that's very popular and obviously much simpler for us to set up and, and very effective in, in tackling loneliness for, for older people who may have difficulty attending one of our, our social gatherings or tea parties. Uh, we also have activity groups, which are similar to tea parties, but they take uh, place in a local venue and they will include some form of activity, whether it be indoor bowling or butcher or cornhole, which is a, a game whereby you throw a beanbag through a hole those types of things. So nice gentle exercise where people can come together and just have a little bit of fun as well and and interact and and get to know each other. And we also have what's called Rainbow Call Companions, which is similar to Call Companions, but it's specifically aimed at older people over 75 from the LGBTQ plus community.
5: All right. And I was going to ask you, how do you identify and reach out to older people who may be experiencing loneliness? Because for many people, um, it, it might be difficult to come out themselves and ask for help. I mean, do families uh, refer or do care homes perhaps uh,
6: approach you for help? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that is really the challenge that we've got. Um, lonely older people, by their very nature, are difficult to engage with and, and difficult to find. Uh, we have an engagement team, a team I'm lucky enough to manage, who who are excellent at reaching out into these communities. And finding all the people through many different sources, social prescribers and link workers are are one of our many organisations that we we engage with. But there's also housing associations, there are friends and family, there are GPs, anyone really who is working with or connecting with all the people who identify them as being lonely or or isolated or potentially lonely and isolated can refer those individuals into us with their permission. And we will contact that older person in order to start to engage with them in an attempt to, to bring them into one of our services whereby we we look to to, to help them reduce that, that loneliness limit that they may be feeling.
5: Mm, such a brilliant and important uh, task. Um, you've already mentioned there are different activities and events that you do organize, such as tea parties and social gatherings as such. Um, so uh, perhaps I can ask you, what, what has the feedback been? from, uh, you know, uh, the elderly's attending these and how has that changed their mood, their health, mental health?
6: Yeah, so we have a wonderful team at Reengage called the Impact Team and they do amazing work um, and their job really is to engage with all the people who are already in our services as well as volunteers and to um, extract from them really their experience so we can understand more thoroughly what it is about what we do that, that helps reduce loneliness and isolation and and it kind of goes without saying you know the impact we, we've we been uh we, we were established back in 1965 you know we, we have we've have been around a long long time doing this and ultimately that's only because of the results that we see and you know that is borne out in the the quotes that we get from all the people who invariably tell us that that they find the services that we offer life changing and they're so simple the services we offer but they have such a profound effect on people's well-being you know people who have may are maybe older and have lost loved ones and, and friends and things and, and are more isolated as they get older just being able to connect socially with people via a tea party or an activity group or a phone call just does absolute wonders for their mental health and their well-being mm. How
5: does Reengage adapt its uh, programs to cater to the diverse needs and preferences of the older population it serves?
6: Uh, it's a good question. And I think ultimately it's a challenge that, that we are continually faced with, and we continually look to adapt to make sure that our services are as accessible as possible. I mentioned earlier that the Rainbow Core Companion service that we've reached, recently bought in, which is there specifically to look at a subsection of the community, which is LGBTQ. But obviously, diversity and equality is a much wider issue than that. And all our services are accessible to all, um, from from a myriad of different backgrounds. Uh, we ensure that, that anywhere that is hosting a tea party or a venue that's hosting an activity group is accessible. Things like downstairs toilets, those types of things are really, really important. And it's just something that we continuously look at whenever we set up a service and, and whenever we're looking for the impact um, on the services that we do offer, we are looking to see and make sure that they are as accessible as possible to all. Mm.
5: and uh, I guess another question which kind of just popped into my mind right now um I hope you're okay if I just ask you that as well
7: yeah, um,
5: absolutely. do you see the need for these kind of programs and engagement with with the elderly increasing as the population and uh, you know uh, of, of elderly are also increasing?
6: I think that's a very good question and and ultimately all the um evidence and all the data and statistics. Bear out that loneliness is becoming an increasing problem, as we have an aging population and um, that is increasing in number. But I think it's it's broader than that as well. I think loneliness is creeping down the the uh, down the age scale as well. And, and obviously, as those people get older, there'll be greater and greater needs for organisations like us that that can tackle some of these issues around social connection in a world where we're connected more easily. Me and you were talking mm. via via Zoom. Um, actually, the social connection and the face to face interaction that's important to all of us as human beings is reducing. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a, a major issue for us to tackle, a, a much wider issue for us all to tackle. Um, and it's just that we, we play one small part in that and I'm, and I'm hoping we'll continue to do so for many years. Mm, you
5: play a very, very important part. So uh, God bless you for uh, all your efforts. Tom, thank you so
6: much for joining us uh, on today's programme. <laughs> Excellent, thank you very much, Can I just say, just before we finish, if anyone does yep. want to, uh, if anyone does want to sign up as a volunteer, we're always looking for for volunteers. Um, there's a multi, multitude of different roles you can play, and if you were to go onto our website, which is www. uk, you'll be able to find information on all our volunteer roles on there, and it's a very simple process to sign up. If you go and fill in your details, we'll be in in touch with you as soon as possible and we'll be happy to talk to you about any way any role that you can play in in helping us to achieve our mission
5: brilliant tom thank you so much once again thank
1: you for joining us today
6: thank you severe really really enjoyed it thank you thank you bye-bye
1: that was tom oakes from re-engage the head of growth there so with with that in mind uh what we wanted to make sure that we did because you know it's it's all well and good us saying to you that um, you know, pick up the phone, talk to someone. But what are some of the main signs and symptoms, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we should go through those because, um, you know, you may have a friend or a family member that you have no idea that they're going through this. Yeah. So we wanted to equip you with some ways that you can do uh, notice it. So... Um, Usually, uh, it's there is an inability to connect with others on a deeper, more intimate level. It's very surface level, right? Um, Maybe you have friends and family in your life, but engagement with them is at a very surface level. Your interaction doesn't feel connected in a way that is fulfilling, and this disconnection seems never-ending. You don't have any close or best friends. Uh, you have friends but they are casual friends or acquaintances and you feel you can find no one who you know truly gets you. Mm. Um, and you have an overwhelming feeling of isolation regardless of where you are and who's around. You can be at a party surrounded by dozens of people and yet you feel isolated, separate and disengaged. At work you may feel alienated and alone the same on a bus, train or walking down a busy street, it's as if you're on your own unbreakable bubble. Um you'll often have negative feelings of self-doubt and self-worth. Uh you need to ask yourself, does it feel like you are always less than enough? Um if you're having these feelings long-term, uh, are another possible they are another possible symptom of chronic loneliness um in addition when you try to connect or reach out it's not reciprocated and you're not seen or heard um and this is a big one um that i feel like is 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 uh people should be aware of and should know is is exhaustion and uh being burnt out when you're trying to engage socially uh if you're dealing with chronic loneliness trying to engage and be social with others can leave you feeling exhausted Continued feelings of being trained can lead to other issues like sleep problems, a weakened immune system, poor diet, and more. And uh, before we get on to the types of loneliness, we're here. Like, I I wanted to talk about the the exhaustion and burnt out aspect of that because um, I think that sometimes uh, we can underestimate the fact that. Someone may be burnt out from any uh, social interaction. That it's not like being social does take energy from you, and that there are people who will have less of that energy. And that when they've been in a big group and they've you know had to be quote unquote social, um, it takes a lot out of them. So it is something that we should be aware of, right?
0: Of course, and this is what we were discussing before that, um. When that exhaustion and burn, you know, the feeling of burnout actually happens. What is the solution to it? I think that's that's a more of an important exactly. question. This is where some people might go down the down the route of the you know, the, um, the the issues that we're discussing now. Yeah. Whereas others would take some time off, turn their phones off. Yeah, we've had people that have been off, let's say from social media for a week. They're like, we want some rest, and they've yeah. come back and said we feel much better. So there are all these things that people can do, but I think from 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 our perspective, we have you know five different times within a day, and we don't really ponder over this um, enough that we have five different times of the day where you know you can disengage and and connect with the higher higher being with Allah, right, with the Creator. Yeah, and that is the purpose. And one is, of course, you know before the yeah, the Fajr prayer, before the dawn. When you know majority of the world is 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 asleep, and this is a time where you can really connect, then you know, you know, then the you know, around one one thirty at, in in this day and age, and that continues. You know, you have five different opportunities to disengage and actually, um, you know, really uh, connect with the with the creator. So there, there are p- people who do various different things. There are people who would, um, you know, read books, who would who would you know do some sort of different activity that would actually you know help them. But I think that's for every individual to actually, you know, look into and uh, find a solution uh, for themselves. And the the best thing to do is to actually discuss these matters.
1: Right. And before we discuss that um, in more detail, we're going to go to our next guest. Um, We have Nicola Wilkins on the line. Uh, Nikki, aged 54 years, originally from Cornwall, has two children and three grandchildren living there. For the past three years, she's living on the edge of the new forest in a caravan, and it's the first time she's living alone. She was a hairdresser for 30 years as well, and currently she's studying a BA Honours degree from Open University. She's enjoying foraging, nature, gardening, arts and crafts. Uh, With that introduction, I'd like to welcome Nicola to the show and get straight into it, asking her, to please share uh with us how she's managed to create a sense of fulfillment and contentment while living alone welcome to the show
8: hi thank you um yeah i i've actually sat and written a list of all the things that i've been doing <laughs> and i'm quite shocked at how much i actually i actually do which is um, awesome yeah yeah well i i do i go out foraging which gets me out and about um with mushrooms um Blackberries, elderflowers what have you um and I do a lot of gardening and it's only a small garden that I've got but I've taken up that hobby um two years ago um and I also have been teaching myself how to use watercolors with art this year um and the business thing is is going to open university it's really sort of like Taking up my time, you know, and keeps me occupied, um, which is very fulfilling. You know, time you go and you learn a bit more. It's great. Really, really great.
1: Right. And So what advice would you give others who may be apprehensive about living alone with concerns of loneliness?
8: Um, I think the first thing is to um, learn to enjoy your own company. Yeah. Um, I think that's the hardest thing for people and that's why they start to feel lonely. Um, And remember that loneliness is not the same as being alone.
1: Um,
8: Loneliness is an emotion where being alone, you know, nobody else is with you, basically. So I think go and join a community or a group, um, take up a hobby um, or restart an old one, have a go at something you've always wanted to do. Um, challenge yourself, you know, try new things that challenge you and all of it, really, just be kind to yourself.
1: Oh. oh, definitely. And so can you share any of the stories that have highlighted the positive side of living alone and combating like, loneliness and not feeling lonely?
8: Um, yeah. The um, obvious thing is that I can do what I want when I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you don't worry about anybody else. I I don't have arguments. Um, If I want to sit in silence, I can. If I want to have something on telly, I can have that that I want. Um, I can message and visit my children. If I want to go somewhere safe with my children, I can just pick up and go and then come back. Um, And my children are visiting me as well. Um, And it's actually really nice at the end of the day to be able to close the door, Mm -hmm. you know, and and just relax, really. I mean, I have now, I have complete control of my own life. Mm
0: -hmm.
8: Um, You know, I I could paint my home bright orange with purple spots (laughs) and no one else is going to upset, you know.
0: Have (laughs) you done that?
8: No, (laughs) not quite. (laughs) Not far off, but not quite.
0: (laughs) Interesting, and and how do you think the society can better address and support individuals, you know, especially women, who may be dealing with loneliness while you know living alone?
8: Well, I I think there needs to be more advertising about help for people. I don't think people realise that um, loneliness is a mental health problem um so i think so i did a bit of research just looking online to see what's available to people and although there's a few things there, you know people when they're lonely they um you don't reach out to other people that's the thing you just get more and more deeper in the downward spiral with your loneliness yep so there needs to be you know more packages out there of all the resources that are available to these people um your doctors and your council and your local shop, you know, it, it, there should be more of this because I know there's like social prescribing, that yeah. you can get through GPs now. Yeah. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I know you can get a lot of support. But a lot of people that I've spoken to about that in the last year have never heard of it.
0: Mm, interesting. And also, um, could you could could you explain? I mean, what what what? Um, I mean, what made you sort of take up this? You know this. Um, you know, live, live living in a you know caravan and you know getting away from pub pub public and living alone. What 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 was it that made you do it yourself, right? You because you were mentioning loneliness is not same same as being alone, and you you know you yeah. you enjoy it.
8: Yeah, um, and I think to be honest, with you, it's nice being away from the rat race. Um, there's far less stress. Yeah, but for me here in the caravan. Um, it's a very simple life hmm. um and that that suits me quite nicely. Um I don't have time to feel lonely, really, but the things that I do you when know, when I can just go outside and have a walk in the woods near me or get on my bicycle and cycle to the sea. Yep. Um, but i'm I'm away from everything to suit me, so I don't have the daily stresses.
1: That a lot of people um, are subjected to
8: in awesome. their everyday
1: life. Thank you so much for your time, Nicola. It okay. was really helpful uh, and a great oh. insight. Thank you. Hi, oh,
8: thank you. Thanks.
1: Bye. Bye. No, bye. Um, so that was Nicola Wilkins, who is living life and enjoying doing whatever she wants, whenever she wants. And um, we're going to go straight to our next guest, actually. Um, we're going to speak to Helen, who is one of the project workers who goes out and delivers programs to the participants to improve the mental health and well-being of people across the country who need support. The, s- the sessions give people the tools to better manage their own mental health support, reducing the impact of needing long-term support. Uh, with that introduction, welcome to the show, Helen. Um, And we'll get straight into it by asking you, how do you see poetry contributing to the mental well-being of individuals you work with?
4: Oh, hi, good afternoon. It's really lovely to be here with you. So yes, I'm one of the project workers at Poets Inn and we are the creative mental health charity. And the things that we see is we see people heal. We see people start to build relationships with themselves, but also with other people within our community and keep those relationships going a long way. So you mentioned that we do group work all around the country. Um, So people connect with each other through the group work that we do. But we also have a really safe online space that's monitored 24-7, that people can join. We've got thousands of people in that community that support themselves and support each other. Uh, But the biggest thing, really, is that we see a reduction in people's symptoms of mental illness and the reductions in things like the risk of suicide and self-harm. And we know this because people tell us. We ask people at the beginning of our programmes. We run six-week programmes, the creative mental health uh, workshops, and 99% of people tell us that they see a reduction in their symptoms of depression, of anxiety and stress, which when I first read that, I thought, my goodness, you know, that's really, really impactful. And then every single week when I'm working with people, I see I see that on their faces. I, I see that they're taking sort of the noise and the clutter that may be inside of their heads or maybe the pain and the weight that they're perhaps carrying in their heart or the churning that's in their gut and they can express that on a page or maybe express it in their words. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe even people that are really quiet and anxious, they might be the first time that they've really been able to speak out and, and express themselves. Maybe people that haven't written since they were back in school, you um, know, blossom in their creativity. And, you know, we often see people that are really, really overwhelmed and... Um, and they can reach that place of calm and peace within, so it's a quite a far reaching and sort of multifaceted um, experience that that we see in our in our participants and it's it's a beautiful thing to be part of, I must
1: say it uh, sounds it definitely so um are there specific themes uh, or topics that you've seen have resonated with people more or like how 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 does that work?
4: yeah, that's a really, really interesting question, so I think because everyone sort of experiences mental illness in a different way, um, it can be tricky to think of particular poetry themes. But what, what we see is the topics that we cover in our workshops, the some of them that are the most impactful, really. When we're talking about worry or stress, um, anxiety, depression, we also cover things like happiness. Um, and that's always a sort of a favourite amongst our participants. Yeah. In fact, I ran a workshop just this morning, um, first thing this morning, and there was a lady and i think it probably links to this whole thing of loneliness um she has lost her husband very sadly quite recently and is and is in a real really sort of sad place of, of grief currently and and she was moved to tears this morning because she was reflecting on what does bring her happiness at the moment in the midst of her grief the fact mm. that she's got daughters and granddaughters and her granddaughter's sort of spontaneously bring her flowers and do, you know, the most, you know, aren't they? Just the beautifulest thing that youngsters can do for other generations. And um, so all of those topics, um, it's always going to be different because people are in different places. But I think because we sort of provide a safe space, an anklet for people to express themselves, um, all these different topics, you know, can really, really support people in all aspects of their mental health.
0: Thank you so much, Helen. Uh, Lastly, can you uh, explain uh, whether there are any resources or workshops available for for individuals to develop their poetry skills as a means of self-expression?
4: Oh, absolutely. There's lots of different ways that people can get in touch with us. Um, So our website, so we're poetsin.com, so that's P-O-E-T-S-I-N, That's where you can find a whole host of different things. We've got free downloadable resources. We also have a self-referral system. So a bit like, you know, a lot of your previous uh, callers, um, we don't want anybody turned away. If people are in need, we want to be able to support them. So there's a self-referral system on our website. They can also email us at info at poetsin.com. And we can make sure that we can provide them with a, a sort of a package that suits their needs at the particular time. Um, we're on social media all over the place as well. And as I said before, we've got a really, really supportive online Facebook group that everybody can join us in. Um, so hopefully one of those methods will enable people to get in touch with us and we can make sure that we can support them in the best possible way for them.
1: Thank you so much, Helen. Keep up with the great work that you're doing. And oh, we'll hope you're so welcome.
4: Thank you so much for having us on. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye now. Bye-bye.
1: So that was Helen from Poetsin. She's a, a project worker who's been going around the country to help people with their mental health and loneliness uh, through poetry. Wonderful. So we've got one minute left. Um, do you want to reflect quickly on what you've learned about loneliness and what you think? Uh, give us the the Islamic take.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, the, uh, what we've learned is uh, to reach out It is 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 to... Create those bonds that are needed um, to have, you know, purposeful uh, engagements. And if there's help ever required, then don't be shy and and actually reach out. There's so many, there's so much help out there. There's so many different charities that are doing great work, right? That we speak to here on Voice of Islam, Islam, Voice of Islam as well. But also to enjoy your own company. That's you know, build these things, and that may take some time, but there will come a time where you know you would really enjoy being alone. Or you can listen to the...
1: poets for peace on Voices of Islam. Yes, as well. exactly. Yeah, that, that's but also a very, a very,
0: very important. We'll thing. be back
1: after the news to discuss the next topic.
0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed.
1: Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here at the Voice of Islam. You are joined by Fahim and Rahil, who are discussing two amazing topics one is chronic loneliness which we just discussed in the previous hour and now we're going to go on to our next topic which is Lajna Imala, the community of the servants of the Jama'at the community um, this is the reason why we're discussing this is because this year marks the centennial anniversary of Lajna Imayullah which is the women's auxiliary organization of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um it was founded in Gardian in India at the turn of 1922 and t- 1923 by the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um established by his holiness Hazrat uh, Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud um, um the second caliph uh, the the name Lajna Myla translates to Handmaidens of Allah and today, the association is registered as a charity with over eleven thousand members in the UK. I want to go straight into what the um, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth Caliph, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, uh, may God help his hand, um, recently, where he re- recently emphasised the equality of men and women within the community, where he stated. No Ahmadi wom- Muslim woman should ever consider herself inferior to any man or remain hidden in his shadow. In all respects, men and women are equal. Um, so, before we kick things off, that that is such a powerful statement, right? Like yeah. I think, especially in. The circumstances that we're living in today, um, with the varying uh, perspectives that are being pushed out there, the different narratives that are pushed out there on equality, um, for the for the worldwide head of of the MDM Muslim community, His Holiness, to say uh, and and to state that so unequivocally and, and so clearly. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I mean. Women in Islam are integral and valued members, um, and they are essential uh, to the fabric of religion itself. Islam emphasizes uh, equality, uh, highlighting that men and women are of equal worth in the eyes of Allah. Um, although they have, you know, different roles that are assigned to them by the Creator, and this recognition, you know, extends beyond mere rhetoric with women, you know, actively participating. In various roles, and we will learn more about Lajna what they have achieved. You know, we will speak to their members and and what their aspirations really are. Um, so, so, so the the active participation in in you know in various roles in society, and you know, the, for 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 example, you have historical figures like Khadija and Aisha. You know, Khadija and Aisha both the wives of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him who exemplify women's contributions as. Scholars, leaders, and 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 pillars of Islamic uh, community, and so Islam firmly rejects, you know, mistreatment of women, affirming their right to inherit, own property, pursue education. Uh, the family unit uh, is also crucial in Islam. It's it's actually built on the part uh, the partnership between uh, men and women, uh, symbolized by mutual protection and comfort and motherhood. Of course, we have numerous narrations of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and one of the ones. I I remember as, as a small child <clears throat> that I learned was the right of your mother over the father. Where where you know uh, a man goes to the Prophet peace be upon him and he asks you know who has a right over me and the Prophet says your mother and then he says mother again and 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 for the third time he repeats your mother and then the fourth time he says your father. So that really you know embedded in 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 me personally the the importance of of respect. And the importance of taking care of you know your mother, and so as I was speaking, motherhood is is particularly revered with the holy prophet peace be upon him emphasizing um, you know the elevated status of mothers. uh, Understanding the significance of women in Islam is 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 actually to appreciate their diverse and enriching contribution uh, to the tapestry of uh, Islamic life. Of course, guarded by the. You know, principles of justice, equality and compassion from the Holy Quran. And we will learn more, of course, You know going forward um, with regards to education how important that is, recognizing the role, you know, crucial role of women in society um, His Holiness again the current worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community underscored the importance of educating women in both spiritual and secular aspects and he said, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, emphasized the obligation of seeking knowledge for all Muslims stating, seeking knowledge is Obligatory upon every Muslim male and female, and therefore, um, he you know the poly Prophet peace be upon him also highlighted the significance of a woman's religious devotion. He said, "A woman is married for four things: her wealth, her family status, her beauty, and her religion. So you should marry the religious women; otherwise, you'll be a you you you'll be at loss." So this info, this uh, discussion, this in depth discussion that we're about to take take place, is actually. For the listeners to get involved and actually to call in and share their experiences for sure uh especially you know women uh you know what lajna Imaila means to them uh you know them running their organizations and you know we speak about these things and many people are sort of amazed when they come to our events and they see you know women actually you know taking leading roles you know uh and and they are they're actually in many aspects and his holiness has mentioned it in numerous places ahead of men right and this is not something that we're saying it but it's something that his holiness has has, has you know has men mentioned it numerous times and the importance of it is is that you know you look with a man right the importance of father figure is 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 very important we know that um and this is where the balance lies you know uh, the family the family unit which uh you know the emphasis islam places on is it's is something very important and and without without both without uh in the presence of the father and without the presence of the mother it's it's uh it's an incomplete, you know, setup, And this is why we the see the family unit with yeah. the family unit, exactly. And and this is where, you know, of course we, we we invite for an engaging conversation, you know, all those members who you know who are part of legend Inla um, you know, to to explain to us and because we're not part of it, are we? We're we you know, we we're, we're speaking from a from a perspective of you know hearing from our mothers from our sisters and yeah. you know from our wives yeah. what an amazing uh, you know uh, auxiliary organ- organization it is where they can express themselves op- openly yeah. and they don't feel less whatsoever
1: yeah and, uh, and many of the members of the community um, uh, the auxiliary uh, are, work very hard for voice of Islam as well right they, they take an active role in help in helping making sure that these shows are to the highest quality, absolutely, and you know, I've produced many of these shows, which I'm sure we'll mention. At times, the, at times,
0: chasing us in a way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get 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 the you know things on 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 time, and it's it's I mean it's one it's wonderful work that they do, yeah, um, and they should be appreciated.
1: 100. percent. And so today we're gonna we're gonna have an in-depth discussion on this topic, and we're gonna explore the global impact of Lajna maila Um, the the, uh, Women's Auxiliary uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and engaging in conversations with members who have dedicated their service and shared their valuable insights but I think what we're going to do is we're going to go straight to one of those um, guests right now right Of course,
0: one of our first guests of course we're speaking to Ismat Mahmood who's uh, Marketing Director of Humanity First USA she has a MBA in Marketing and Information Systems. Assalamualaikum. Eh, peace be upon you. Peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show.
3: Assalamualaikum Alaikum. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you please share a bit about your background uh, first, and also your involvement with Lajna Imaila and Humanity First? And also, could you also highlight what motivated you to take on this leadership role within uh, Humanity First?
3: Um Yes, um, for me, um, I have been working in the and for many, many years. Um, I am currently the Naib Sata uh, for the Dallas Jamaat, and um, in light of Humanity First, uh, my first uh, interaction with Humanity First was way back in 2015 when um We had tornadoes hit in Garland, Texas, near my home. And um, Leja and Myla volunteered um, and worked side-by-side with Humanity First uh, to help give food, water, basic necessities, and gift cards to the people in need at that time. Um, It was an eye-opening experience for me. It was eye-opening in the sense that how quickly everybody was mobilized, all the volunteers were mobilized, funds were raised, and help was given. And um, this was my first um, interaction with humanity first as such. Fast forward to 2019. I was asked, um, I have a degree in uh, marketing, as you said. Um, and I was asked to help with master hospitals in um, uh, social media platforms and humanity first USA's social media platforms. And um, it was an honor for me, and then it moved on. Um, by 2020, I became the marketing director for Humanity First USA. Wonderful.
0: And how does uh, Humanity, uh, sorry, how how does Lajna Imaila's commitment to serving the community, uh, you know, align with this involvement in Humanity First in the initiatives?
3: So Lesna Imaila has always been committed to serve mankind, and that is what Humanity First's logo and uh, motto is. Um, and therefore, for years, we in the USA have been working under our FIDMA Techal programs to serve our local communities through senior care, um, food pantries, women's shelters, and so much more. Humanity First is just an offshoot of this work, which uh, Lejna continues to do under the Humanity First platform. Lejna across the USA are HS ambassadors, Humanity First ambassadors who work very hard to volunteer their time for all of our various programs. Uh, it could be food pantries, for knowledge for life, um, disaster relief. All these are the key programs in which Lajna has been playing a vital role.
1: Right, so how does the Women's Auxiliary Organization of the Muslim Community collaborate with Humanity First, the charity, to create a more significant impact in charitable and humanitarian projects. Could you uh, provide some examples?
3: Yes. Um, so we've had uh, collaborations before. One of the biggest collaborations that we did was during COVID-19. So um, during COVID-19, when um, when it started, um, Lajna, Emaila, USA and Humanity First USA collaborated on a Make a Mask campaign. And not across the USA sold masks and we distributed them um, in places of need. And this was one of our biggest collaborations um, with Lejna and Myla. Since then, they have always supported us. Um, even at this moment, as we speak, uh, we have our Palestine emergency appeal going on. And Lesna has been key in. Um, helping
1: us raise funds for uh, Gaza, right? And you've likely had the opportunity to witness various initiatives firsthand. Can you share some of the specific experiences or a story that highlights the the positive impact um, that the Women's Auxiliary uh, Organization of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community um, has had on on individuals and communities?
3: Yeah. Um, like today is Thanksgiving and um, in America. And um, I was just going over some of the things that Lajna has done just recently. So we have Lajna in Miami who just served 100 people in a, a homeless shelter. They cooked for them, and they made a special cake that said Happy Thanksgiving. And this was just done two days ago. Our um, Lejna in uh, Duluth, um, Georgia which is um, right outside of Atlanta. Um, We have our first uh, standalone um, food pantry. And our Lejda member, Farah with her husband, has led the opening, the setting up, the opening of this food pantry and has worked diligently over the year. Her and her team of Lejda members have worked diligently to get this pantry started and up and running. Um, we've had uh, Lejda members like Danielle San, who have worked over the past 15 years in our disaster relief response efforts. So whenever there's a disaster across the country, she and her team um, have helped in getting logistics done and paperwork done for us to be a part of the disaster relief efforts in a specific area. So um, as recently as just um, this past month, we had um, Asma Bajra, who is a is Dr. Asma Bajra, who is helping procure donations for our new ophthalmology wing at Nasser Hospital. So, Lesna is all over our Humanity First map, and Lejna is the grassroots for Humanity First USA and a critical part of um, its expansion to serve mankind.
0: Thank you so much, uh... Uh, Ismat, it was a pleasure speaking to, you uh, and uh, thank you for giving us the insight into the work that uh, Humanity First USA does. Uh, you know, with the, of course, with the, int- with, 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 with the interaction that they have with uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, Women's Association, known as Lajna Imayla. Thank you once, once again, for joining us. Asalam. Thank alaykum. you very so much. As-salamu. Well, as-salamu.
1: Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. We are waiting for your call. Give us a call and tell us your experiences. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Of
0: course, I think we need to discuss ab- uh, about the 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 beginnings of Lajnejmaila. I think yep. if you can give his a, 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 a bit of a historical back- background as well. Um, so Lajna which which well, you, is you're the history guy. So. <laughs> no, I mean you can. We can <laughs> no, no, both please. speak on it. But no, it was just that I think it's um, it, it really puts into perspective where you know where it has come from and where it is you know in this day and age. Um, so, Legna Imaiyya, uh, which is the Ahmadi Muslim uh, Muslim Women's Association, was the first auxiliary founded in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, originating with fourteen members in 1922 in 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 Qadiyan, India. Uh, Hazrat uh, Amatul Hayy, may Allah be pleased with her, the wife of uh, His Holiness Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, played a crucial role in his establishment during her, you know, due to her passion for the development and progress of women. Her council led to initiation of Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's uh, organization, uh, an organization that transformed the lives of women within the community. Uh, she, you know, her dedication uh, to learning and you know improving opportunities for women was evident in her pre-marriage letter to His Holiness, where she requested religious classes for women. Uh, over time, the organization expanded globally and was formally established in the UK in 1957 the principles of lajna had uh, already been empra- uh, Im- you know embraced by uh, Ahmadi women uh, in the uk for decades before its official formation uh, so during uh, its inception in the uk there were 34 recorded members and the uh, current membership has now grown to exceed 12884 showcasing the enduring growth and impact of uh, lajna mila hi
1: oh, thank you for that context because um you're, you're probably wondering like why was why was it created right what purpose. was the purpose exactly. um and yeah it, it, it there's various reason reasons but um the primary objectives is to promote religious education social welfare and community service among women within the Ahmadiyya muslim community Um there's activities where the members engage in charitable activities Educational initiatives and religious programs, and the focus is to serve the community and promote Islamic teachings through the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, movement's perspective. Um, You know, so many different uh, events. Just recently, uh, there was a tree planting event happening in my local area where uh, my family members, the the female family members um, of mine, went to. Um, to plant trees, to to follow the instruction of um, His Holiness, um, where he he's explained to us that we should be planting trees to ensure that um, you know we're looking after the planet as well. So, yeah, it's it's so many uh, different activities like this that uh, promote and are in line with the values of the of Islam um, and making sure that the world is a better place. So um what was the the vision from the second caliph um Yeah, here? of
0: course i think you've alluded to the, the 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 objectives and uh you know promoting religious education social welfare community service among women within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um but you know moving forward uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community's organization uh, the women's organization and other auxiliary organizations were founded with clear objectives and duties um his Holiness, the second Caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community expressed uh, optimistic aspirations and ex- uh, you know expectations from Lajna members. Uh, equality was one of the things that he also highlighted, emphasizing that no Ahmadi women should feel inferior to any man. Men and women are considered equal in all aspects. Um, and also, uh, you know, explaining the, that amidst the Ahmadi women, there should be no misconception that the preaching is exclusive to men. Instead, view, uh, view it as your mission to propagate Islam te- Islamic teachings by embodying its values, preaching its message globally, and demonstrating the true essence of Islam. So Lajna members should uh, be showcasing Islam's genuine principles and real uh, essence to the, to, to the entire world. And the second caliph uh, basically stated in one of his um, addresses, he said in this era, Ahmadi women have also claimed to have accepted a prophet who came according to the prophecies of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and was a pure reflection of him. Thus, every Ahmadi woman, uh, every Ahmadi woman must ask themselves whether they possess the same spirit and devotion that the female companions of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him had for the sake of their faith, and whether they exhibit the level of righteousness and spirituality. And so, this is uh, this is something that he he stated in one of his address, and and one of the, and, and, and among the founding principles that he mentioned were for women to uh, come together to increase their knowledge and spread it, to hold the spirit of unity under one unique spiritual guidance of Khilafat, to work at ever improving our morals and spirituality, to be fully aware of the responsibility of sound bringing up for our children. Regardless of social standing, consider all women as sisters to serve Islam in practical ways and to help those brothers and sisters who are in need. Above all, to try and attain all this through prayers, and all of their work uh you know, stems from spiritual education and training, which includes outreach work, social welfare activities, as you you know, you, you were mentioning earlier, yeah. uh industry and handicraft endeavors, physical health, you know, programs. So these are, you know, some of the some some of the founding principles and, 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 and uh the vision that, you know, we read from his Holiness' addresses.
1: See, I think that um one thing that uh is really important here in, in one of the added benefits to to highlighting a topic like this is that often um, a lot of people who don't truly understand uh, the Islam, its values and principles, can often make claims such as you know, Islam is misogynistic. Exactly. It, it's it's biased towards uh, men, and you know it oppresses women. Um, what are some of your thoughts on how like that is categorically not the case. Of course um, not. I
0: mean, there's one uh, look. There's few elements. There's theolo- theological element. You can read the Quran. What it says about women, what their rights are. Right? Those rights that that were to, to, you know told to us. Uh, you know, in a society. You know, in the sixth century Arabia. Right, where it was. You know, nobody could even imagine that such rights could be should be given to women. Right, yeah. um, and you can read up on that. They are. They are. Hist- and how did the Prophet peace be upon him what 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 were the things that the 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 the, the you know these uh, lady companions you know the wives of the prophet and and other women did for Islam in that time? They were scholars, right? Like for instance, Hazrat Aisha may Allah be pleased with her. Were, you know, companions would actually learn from her. Having said that, um, and also you know in 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 the current age that continuing forward, and you know if if I was to present one example as an answer to that mm. question, it would be Lajna Imayla itself, this organization in yeah. itself. And people see it, like at Jalsa's, when they come and they go to the women's side, and and His Holiness has mentioned in numerous of his addresses that that many of the ladies who came from outside and they were sort of concerned about why is there no uh, mixing, why you know why is why is there separation, yeah. segregation, and they said that they've asked and and Hazo said that you know His Holiness said that ask the ladies themselves. This should be the question that they should be answering, yeah. and they said that we feel a lot more comfortable, uh, you know, with uh, working without the shade of men. Right, we're we're um, you know we're free to you know, and this this is where when you know they become leaders and that you know they they are not under the shade of men and they take their, mm-hmm. their own decisions. They have their own shura consultation that takes place every year, and so I think this is what it is. And I think going forward, you would see the some of the responsibilities that they have mm-hmm. would actually debunk this this allegation of misogyny, yeah. you know whatsoever. Now the thing is, you, what, what you need to realize is yes. Allah, God, ha- as a creator, has 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 given certain commandments yeah. to women uh, specifically, as well as men, in the Quran. Yeah. Right? Now, those commandments. responsibilities. Yeah. For stuff. instance, lowering your gaze. Now, men can't just turn around and say, "Look, man, uh, that's uh, really against men." You know, we shouldn't be. The thing is, this is what the commandment is, and yeah. and and if you if you if you're a believer in Islam, if you're a believer in God, and and yeah. you believe in this religion, then you follow that path. And this is the thing. This is where you know ma- majority of these women don't have an issue you know with following the commands of god and they know they're not doing it for their men they're doing it yeah. for the creator and this is why the emphasis in islam of any worship is doing it for the creator yeah right and when, once you understand the essence a lot of the issues you know you know go, go, go out of the window because anything that's done for men in islam is known as shirk is associating partners with allah yeah right and there are elements to that the discussion you know one thing is praying to an idol yeah. And and we know that that's, that that's that's apparently you know that's apparent in front of us. It's it's not allowed, but in Islam, there even for me to think that Fahim is my friend and yeah. I should not disagree with him in Thanks, this man. matter, right? Yeah. Uh, because he can get me a you know a good job or you know can get me a good reference. Even that is a minor shirk, because in Islam, your you know uh, the provider of sustenance is Allah the Almighty, yeah. and this is where your complete trust should be. You know. Uh, you know, upon him. Although you might think I'm going away from the talking, but they these are all interlinked discussions that we need to have. And we're talking about, you know, any sort of discussion with regards to, you know, women's rights in Islam, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and and what they should do. So I think if we delve into the responsibility of uh, responsibilities of this women's auxiliary organ- organization, uh, you know, uh, and various organizational duties, then you would, you would actually realize how he answers that. Definitely.
1: Question. And with that in mind, I want to uh, hear from uh, His Holiness, Hazrat uh, Mirza Ahmed, the worldwide leader of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, when he spoke at uh, the recent uh, uh, event uh, for women in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in 2023. Let's just hear from that now.
7: Where the, role, the, where the Holy Quran speaks of the belie- believing men, it also speaks of believing women. In light of such magnificent examples, from early Islam, the Muslim, Muslim Auzerah expressed his heartfelt belief that if in today's era Ahmadi women were infused with the same spirit and passion of the early Muslim women, Ahmadi would prosper and progress at great speed. Thus, as Ahmadi women, you must recognize your duties to spread the message of Islam amongst other ladies, so that the future generation of society can be rightly guided. Given the pivotal influence of women on their uh, progeny, the long-term effect of preaching to women will have a more profound and longer-term impact on society. In order to be successful in tabligh, you must seek to increase your religious knowledge. Always remember that today knowledge and prayers are our only weapons of choice in the cause of spreading Islam. In front of all the women is the example of Hazrat Aisha, Hizala Anha, who in terms of religious knowledge attained a rank far beyond the men of her time or indeed any other era. Accordingly, Women have the potential to scale the greatest intellectual heights, and so you must never underestimate yourselves. Rather, seek to fulfill your rich potential, as it will provide you with the capability to raise your children in a way that they grow to be beneficial to society. It will also enable you to defend your faith and beliefs. These days, once again, the issue of the meaning of khatm e the finality of the prophethood, is being raised very loudly by our opponents as they seek to incite people against Ahmadiyya. Now, empty Muslims claim that we, God forbid, forbid, do not believe the Holy Prophet to be the seal of the Prophet. No one that. In this regard, it was a woman who provided the answer to this question. Long ago, on one occasion, while speaking about the status of the Holy Prophet, the Aisha said, Say, he is the seal of the prophets, but do not say that there is no prophet after him. With these insightful and profound words, Hazrat Aisha settled the debate by clarifying that whilst the Holy Prophet was the final law-bearing prophet, the door to prophethood remained open. She made this statement due to her wisdom and foresight, as she recognized the risk of future dissent over this issue regrettably, so-called Muslim clerics, who consider themselves scholarly and wise, have fallen prey to the ignorance and falsehood that Hazrat Aisha Ritala Anha tried to save the Muslim Ummah from. So now it lies in the hands of Ahmadi women to strive to emulate the example of Hazrat Aisha Ritala Anha and guide the world
1: and that was uh, His Holiness the worldwide leader of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, really explaining the the impact that women can make and that he encourages them to make because I think that um, a lot of the time I I hear from different people different uh, media perspectives saying about how the um, raising children isn't like a proper job or like but like as, as he alluded to, it's such an important part of society, the future of society and shaping, you know, the future leaders, the future people who will be a part of this society. Um, I think it's so important. And again, to he also encouraged um, everyone to increase their knowledge so that they can understand religion for themselves. Because, and I think that it just, what you were saying to just just before we were listening to the clip um is that when people say that islam I- is biased towards men or or oppresses uh women it's it's just not true um yeah. and if that was the case then things would be a lot different and it, 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 the thing is is that this is a lot of media bias true. that is um pushing a certain narrative about the religion of Islam, and <coughs> that's one of the things that we like to do here at Voice Islam is to debunk those uh, myths and, and those um, misconceptions that people have about Islam. And um, I think we're going to go next to our next caller, uh, who is Dr. Bushra Khan. Um, she is an inspirational poet, a lifestyle well-being doctor, and motivational speaker. With a background in emergency medicine, her volunteer work extends from Pakistan to Mauritius. Since 2019, she has contributed to the UK community through Quran commentaries and translation classes. She is the author of Music of the Broken Shackles. With that introduction, we'd like to welcome Dr. Busher Khan to the show. Um, welcome to the Drive Time Show here. Asalaamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi um, could, could you please share your journey to uh, from being regional president in Islamabad to serving as a homeopathic practitioner in Mauritius and now in the UK? How has this shaped your perspective on the community service and your connection with Lajna Imwalia? Uh,
9: yes, uh, my journey of uh, community service and connection with Lajna Imwalia, uh, apparently though uh, it spans three continents and different roles, from administrative to healthcare and then educative, yet uh, the underlying motivation has always been the same. It's all about finding your purpose in life, and that's what defines clear goals and priorities. The sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that we are contributing to something larger than ourselves. For, uh, you know, we are so fortunate to inherit this breast bond. Of affection, compassion, comradeship, and affiliation, which is called uh, Lajna and Maula. And I think, in a world torn with deepening conflicts, rivalry, hostility, and uh, rising disillusionment, this unique sisterhood of Lajna it really stands out as a haven of peace in a turbulent society. And I, I feel that we are really, really We are blessed to have this uh, uh, bond of affection, compassion, uh, and comradeship. Uh, It's like like a garland of love uh, encircling the globe from east to west and north to south. I mean, it's something so unique and so uh, different that when you feel and realize that you're part of something so special, then you... You really want to give back all your God-given faculties for the service of uh, of, uh, of a larger cause. It's actually uh, Lajna Maula is actually part of the master plan uh, of uh, God that uh, that the Messiah of the latter days will uh, unite mankind uh, in the latter days, and Lajna Maula is also a very important part of it so uh, when you see things in that perspective continents countries your profession what role you're playing that becomes secondary the only thing which matters is that whatever uh, god has given you all the, this is i mean uh, this is how at least i feel and I'm, I'm sure well, most of our members, they feel like that, that I feel and I believe that all my faculties, my talents, which uh, God has given me, I, it's, uh, it's a kind of a trust, and I'll be answerable for it. Uh, I mean, that did I make uh, use of it uh, in the cause of uh, God? Uh, for uh, That was the prime purpose why he gave me all these faculties. The satisfaction, the fulfillment of giving back to society uh, in different roles. And it's even more satisfying for me that, uh, alhamdulillah, that God has blessed me with so diverse sort of uh, talents that uh, it's really, really, I thoroughly enjoy uh, serving uh, this lovely Jamaat in every capacity. And, uh, thank you, thank uh, you so much basically, I mean, basically it's all interconnected
0: Very beautifully and very passionately put there um, just continuing from that um, with a background in emergency medicine, poetry and motivational speaking, uh, how do you try to integrate these diverse skills in your work with Lajana how does your uh, medical experience let's say you know, influence your approach to well-being and motivation within the community uh,
9: Actually I don't to uh, really try uh, and do it basically i feel that my approach has always been holistic that i believe that mind body spirit uh, should be in alignment and i always even in my medical practice apart from uh Krishna, I, I mean like uh, apart from the one which i was uh, doing uh, as you know serving the Jamaat as a homeopathic practitioner in Mauritius for quite a long time, uh, apart from that, because that was I was doing on weekends and I was working during the week as an emergency uh, medical officer. So uh, what uh, what I believe is, apart from the Jamaat also, my approach has always been the same. That I always used to, uh, when patients used to come with me, I used to give them spiritual therapy also, psychological therapy also and de-stressing and i used to only focus upon their physical health so for me uh, apparently uh, it might look that i have these diverse skills for me, but for me it's like uh, different parts of uh, the body i mean i i i make you in a very integrated manner i mean it just comes naturally
1: right and so we firstly we want to congratulate you on winning first prize in the English poetry at the UK Lajna um the Women's Association uh, Ichituma, uh gathering that you had this year. Um could you share the inspiration behind your award winning poem uh on the theme uh which is the centenary which we're discussing today and how poetry serves as a powerful medium for messages of peace and community spirit?
9: Definitely. Poetry is, I think, the most powerful um, that, um, I mean, uh, we are different from other living uh, animals. I mean, humans, the the supreme gift which uh, God has given us is the power of communication, language. And I think the most exquisite and most uh, powerful um, mode of expression is poetry. If you see if even in the word of god the holy quran when you see that there uh, in many of uh, the uh, chapters of the quran there is such a beautiful flow of um, rhythm and rhyme and this shows that if the the creator himself has used that rhyme and rhythm means that it is uh, in alignment with uh, our Physical, mental, psychological, spiritual makeup. And this is the ultimate form of communication and the most powerful. In Surah Rahman, you see, Fabiyah Rabbi Kaziban. I mean, it all comes like uh, everything comes in rhyme. And uh, Surah Rahman is extraordinarily powerful. It has healing properties and all that. And uh, i mean that was something ultimate which i mean but because we are created by the same creator he gave us all these tools and i uh, believe that poetry is a really really powerful tool to uh, all the sensitive issues i think can be very very effectively communicated through poetry uh, you wanted to know about uh, the the uh the motivation behind yes, my yeah. my poem
1: your winning poem, yeah,
9: yeah, yeah, so uh, motivation was uh, as I told you this about uh, about Lajna, if you uh, want I can the poem is in front of me at this time. I can just quote a few lines if you want,
1: yes Did you so. like that yeah, that'd be great,
9: yeah, okay. So, because the whole poem is very long, it'll take a lot of time. I'll, I'll yeah. just, uh, uh, a, a little bit, I'll,
1: Maybe a couple.
9: Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Bright smiling faces and helping hands outweigh the riches of all the lands. Their starry eyes lit with compassion. Serving and caring is their passion for the sick and suffering their nightingale soothing those in pain is their holy grail they are uplifting in times of stress comfort people in distress their sympathy warms people's ailing hearts crucial challenges their courage does thwart all our willing volunteers for charity work and never laboring tasks they shirk Together we pray, together we play, our hearts are joined in every way. A unique family, a haven of peace, connected, committed to help and to ease. An army of educators and social workers striving for a common sublime cause with fervor, unconditional care for foes and friends, their selfless service knows no ends personified havens for the poor and forsaken. Huge responsibilities are courageously taken. Making others happy is a secret for bliss, a profound truth that people often miss. Organization of women striving for excellence, role model for the world in endurance and eminence, love for all and hatred for none, is our slogan, aim, and motivation. So that was Yeah, that, point. Was,
1: that was wonderful. I can see why you won. <laughs> no, honestly, that was, that was really inspirational. In,
9: Actually, in the poem answers, I think, most of your questions from from the interview. Yeah. So I thought I'd better, better just directly, because you know, these are powerful words, as I told you, poetry is very uh, powerful communications. So I'm sure you would have enjoyed it.
1: No, oh, definitely, it was it was really insightful, and uh, I can understand why you won the competition as well. Um, so
9: now you know how how why it got the first prize because it's uh, like you know something which comes springs from the heart; it goes right into yeah, the heart.
1: Definitely, and with your poetry in mind, um, you have a poetry collection called. We mentioned it in your introduction as well, uh, "Music of the Broken Shackles." Um, Yeah, last
9: year it got published, uh, last year, June.
1: And so it aims for a universal message of peace, right? So how do you use poetry to address those global issues and inspire positive change? Um, What themes do you hope uh, readers take away from that collection? Yeah, yeah, I think
9: this is the more uh, vital question because, you know, this a book, it's right in front of me. I kept it here just to in case I have to quote something for it. Uh, uh, I'll just give you a, in a brief nutshell that uh, this uh, poem is really, really extremely important for me. I'll just quickly share with you. Uh, just please check me if I take more uh, time because I'm not looking at the yes, watch. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. so. Uh, over i need to that this book why basically it's so important for me is that uh, uh, you know is i wrote it in a span of like two years one by one one by one and poems used to like i was inspired for, by themes and basically what i wanted was i used to just lie down and close my eyes and think of the main themes of the holy quran i used to think that what are the main uh, you know uh, i mean themes like practical application uh, on which is needed which uh, god wants to convey to us so i wanted to pick one of them and then create a poem and then i i think because of because god knows that what was my intention that i was really inspired and i Every time I used to finish a poem, I used to do a a prostration of gratitude. Uh, And I used to say aloud that, oh, God, I haven't written it. You you just used my pen. It's you who made me write it. So what I mean to say is that this book for me is not just a poetry book. It's like, um, like, you know i mean i don't want to <laughs> i'm a very humble person but just talking about rumi like um, about rumi somebody uh, has said a persian uh, in persian that rumi's um, uh, you know uh, poetry is like quran in the uh, persian language so i mean on a very very humble very very little small scale like you can see I was inspired by this and I was trying to follow in the footsteps that in English which is now the one of the universal languages why not make a a poetry book which has themes of the Quran so I'll just quickly you know from the back page of my book I have uh, just not I'll just tell you what is written on the back page Uh, music of the broken shackles this is the title of the book uh this uh, this i'm reading from the back these are songs of the soul breaking free from the enslavement of shackles of prejudice and hate the broken shackles what i mean is is actually when the shackles break and that is the music and those shackles are the shackles of prejudice and hate heartfelt aspirations for a world of peace and harmony equality and justice tolerance and regard, visionary poetry which seeks to shun discrimination and inspire to uphold the honor of humanity by appreciating the beauty of human diversity. You are taken on a journey of reawakening, empowerment, insight, and the elusive quest for meaning, purpose, and reality of life. This was just at uh, the nutshell yeah. at the back of the book, and uh, if uh, you don't have, do you have any other question? Or?
1: Yeah, I have a final question for you because. Uh, but um, if
9: uh, before th- uh, that final question, if you want, I will, I can just quickly touch upon the just the contents which uh, of the poem, which I think are very unique and. Uh, i'll just uh, read out to you the you will know how diverse the book is so the first one is global family it's about global peace then the shackles it's about you know uh, the uh, sense of uh, you know the right of uh, self determination then unburden your soul is about clearing your heart of all negative emotions then magic of giving is about giving back to society then in in wild pursuit of an endless mirage this is about the moral uh, degradation of our society and then clarion cry is actually uh, about uh, uh, you know uh, the message of the promised messiah uh, for this world to unite mankind in the latter days so i've named it the clarion cry like and i've just quoted that it's just like uh, the times of noah uh, when he was you know preaching to his uh, uh, people and they never used to give uh, uh, never used to take it seriously and what was the end of all that right. so then story of diamond then uh, this it's about the diamond how Uh, after you know all those adversities becomes the diamond so just to touch upon it and just it can apply on humans also you know versatility and all that then uh, seize the day is about uh, uh, the uh, you know how the time of life is quickly passing by beyond the stars is uh, also about uh, the higher purposes of life and aspirations what Humans should have the qualities actually. Sure. And uh, In- empathy, why is about the purpose of life, blueprint of life is about DNA. I have used it as a uh, uh, proof for the existence of God and then love thy neighbors about uh, I
1: appreciate your your extensive uh, detail with yeah, that. there um, are many just, others
9: but I think they'll yeah. it'll take too much of uh, Definitely. Uh, time.
1: Definitely. And I just really want to get to the last question which is um yeah, please. as a producer of the Poets for Peace show here on Voice of Islam Radio UK, uh what made you um or, or motivate you to start this initiative um yeah, if you could just tell us uh, more about that that'd be a awesome. uh,
9: uh, actually uh, actually the the role was uh, proposed to me i think because uh, uh, i had been contributing to voice of islam my poetry so i think uh, they knew that i have this talent so i was proposed and i uh, accepted it because i always feel that whatever uh, god offers you it's like uh, you know it's it's the will of god
1: yeah so, no definitely uh,
9: and then i think now that i'm full-fledged in involved in it and I'm really really enjoying it and I think that it's the channel that is really finally the best place for me for to you know use all my talents in every way
1: definitely that's great and thank you so much for your time today we really appreciate it thank and we'll, I'm sure we'll have you again soon thank you okay okay Ali. peace be upon you that was Dr. Busher Khan who was talking to us about poetry and how it is impacting the world for a better. Um, we heard more about her poetry collection as well. Um, bringing it back to the topic at hand, um, I wanted to just highlight the fact that if there is any misconceptions that people have about Islam and the oppression of women, I feel like one of the best examples that you can see um, to counter that fa- that um, allegation uh, is the Women's Association of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community because they truly are working towards um, building a better world, making sure that they are educating the future generations to impart uh, and bring peace and to really truly live by the motto of love for all hatred for none um, and the responsibilities uh, of the women's auxiliary organization of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, typically uh, hold uh, various organizational duties um, I'm just going to share a few of them there's finance um which is which is the department responsible for uh helping its members about the importance of financial sacrificing and educating members on the significance of um all of the uh, guidance around that there's health and fitness um which is uh, concerns itself with enhancing um, health and fitness of the mind the body and the spirit of women girls and babies um and publications, which works, uh, to serve as a mean to disseminate information, uh, and educate members and promote the teachings of Islam. Uh, the publication efforts of, uh, them, uh, encompass a range of activities, which include magazines and periodicals, um, educational material, newsletters, uh, online platforms, and another one is, um, proclaiming, which is. Uh, spreading the true message of Islam and it to the rest of the world. And, um, the last one, uh, I wanted to share, which I think, uh, is one that really makes you, um, makes you remember that they're really making a difference in society is, uh, <coughs> the service to humanity, uh, department which uh, endeavours to just help those who are in need in our society. Um, they it focuses on those beautiful teachings of Islam, um, to strive to relieve the pain and sufferings of mankind, regardless of religion, uh colour, creed, um, to create a bond of love and harmony amongst one another regardless of um race, culture or creed. Uh, and then, as, as we men, uh, mentioned with our guests, uh, they hold crucial roles in Humanity First, uh, which is an international charity initiative that beautifully encapsulates the uh, Islamic beliefs in serving mankind. So uh, we're coming up to the end of the show. Um, Rahil, is there any parting thoughts on this subject that you want to share?
0: Yeah, I think the parting thought is is the verse of the Quran which says, you are the best people ever raised for good. Of mankind, because you have been raised to serve others. You enjoin what is good and forbid evil and believe in Allah. Uh, It is from chapter 3, verse 111. And the second caliph uh, explaining it basically said, by khidmat al khalq, which is serving mankind, I do not mean service of Ahmadis or Muslims alone. Rather, I I mean service of all creations of Allah without distinction of religion or nation, to the extent that even if an enemy is in difficulty, you should help them. This is the true sense of serving others, and so in the collaborative journey uh, as the servants of the Jamaat, the Lajna, Imailah, who are the uh, you know the auxiliary uh, the auxiliary organisation of the Muslim community, played a pivotal role in fostering unity, empowerment, and the propagation of the teachings of Islam. And the endeavours stand as a testament to the strength that lies in collective service, dedication, and the pursuit of knowledge. And in the words of the Khalifa, may it be that your sacrifices and unwavering loyalty to your faith come to be recorded in the history of Islam.
1: Thank you for that. And uh, we wanted to thank the producers, uh, Azha Hina and Farah Mirza for helping us produce these shows and to the tech team that have always enabled us to do these shows. And for any, uh, please forgive anything that went wrong and we look forward to seeing you on the next time on the drive time tomorrow at five.